cigarette smoking or nicotine addiction is all prevailing it had prevailed every inch of my life it was there when i woke up in the morning it was there during lunch it was there when i had a, a terrible day it was there when i was celebrating uh, it was there 24/7 if i was going to fight this thing i would have to be really strong and not just physically but mentally strong as well so i got myself a bicycle and i started cycling uh, i was in such bad shape back then uh, that i couldn't even cycle till the end of the road i ran out of breath my legs were screaming but again that fighter was there who said don't give up don't give up and i started cycling every single day and in fact cycling became uh, a habit that replaced my smoking hey everyone welcome to the other side the podcast about life beyond college and the damn good stories of those who have tread this path before you we are your hosts sabya and surya yes we are finally back again this time hopefully for longer than four episodes and we are calling this season 2.1 to remind us about our embarrassingly short season 2 uh, so before i get on to today's episode uh, one of the reasons we really really wanted to get back to releasing episodes was that some of the feedback we got while we were away was amazing uh, it really warmed our hearts and uh, yeah really made us want to get back to publishing episodes just to get that feedback uh, but also covid second wave came along and wrecked havoc and sabya and i realized that we really needed some human contact too and tos was clearly the best way to do it but anyway sabya will be back next week for a very special episode so i'll be your host today and about today's episode uh, so today's guest is the coolest prof you'll ever meet he's professor ganesh from manipal he's a cyclist tedx speaker wilderness explorer and all round amazing human uh, but before all this he went through a terrible phase in his life so something he terms his terrible 20s and that's where he struggled with uh, nicotine addiction and personal tragedy so in this episode we begin with that we begin with how he overcame addiction how he built up the cycling habit to replace smoking and then we get on to his superhuman feats such as cycling the highest motorable road in india and attending the national outdoor leadership school in alaska so at different points in life i think we are all faced with overcoming a bad habit uh, even if it's not one as destructive as smoking so i'm confident this episode will shed some light on how we can all get progressively better Uh, so that's it from me let's head on over to the podcast and you can always reach out to us at the other side underscore podcast on instagram hi professor ganesh uh, welcome to the other side podcast it's really a pleasure to have you here i i just sent you a mail in the hope that you would uh, agree for a call and you were kind enough to agree for a whole interview so thanks a lot again for uh, coming here Thank you Surya for this opportunity and I hope we have an interesting chat I'm looking forward to it right now So I just wanted to start off with uh, maybe you briefing the audience about your story uh, so your story is very inspiring it almost seems like someone wrote a fiction novel <laughs> Yeah sometimes when I think about it I feel that it was like that so I never I never imagined my life to be like this especially in my 20s and stuff like that I never thought that I would go on to cycle the Himalayas uh, by myself and spend such a long time on a bicycle of of all things i've also been very lucky enough to have been given an opportunity to write a book and go on adventures all around the world and this is not something that i planned to do uh, this is something that just evolved 
as I as I got out of my I call it my terrible twenties, and now it's it's the thriving thirties that I'm in, <laughs> and I'm on the verge of uh, the roaring forties. So <laughs> it's 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 been a fantastic journey. A lot of downs in my life, especially in my twenties. It's it's it was uh, there were a lot of challenges. So that's that's where I wanted to begin. What was life like before you made this uh, huge lifestyle change? What was it that made me want to do a lifestyle change? I didn't really fare that well in engineering college when I first started uh, started started when I was in engineering, and so when I graduated, I didn't really have a lot of opportunities that came along my way. I didn't get camp uh, placed. Most of my friends did get placed, and they moved on. And then I did manage to get a good uh, job back then. I didn't look at it as a good job, but eventually I realized the amount of value that I got out of that place. And my my twenties were mostly there were a lot of personal problems and challenges that I went through. A really close friend of mine had a mental breakdown, which affected our relationship quite drastically, and it came to a very violent end. and that threw me off guard and when when a close friend like that and something like that happens uh for something like that to come and just to and just get destroyed if i wasn't mature enough to handle it in a very good uh, and so i made some terrible decisions and i i tried to fill in that void in a very destructive manner uh, so my 20s were really not good it was very challenging times I was also working in a startup and I was surrounded by really very talented professionals and I I felt really out of place I tried to be as good as them but it was a steep learning curve for me uh also I started smoking and that's what I meant I tried to fill the void uh and I used uh, smoking as a crutch to help me uh get through this phase unfortunately you know, smoking is it comes with its own dark side and i remember by the time of 26 27 i started feeling the ill effects of it because i smoked so heavily i started having premature tooth loss i was running out of breath i used to fall sick very often and i felt like an old man because i couldn't even climb a flight of stairs without running out of breath so by the time i was 28 i was i i i was completely lost i didn't know what was happening i was feeling so old and i kept telling myself is this what my life was supposed to be like you know is this what i wanted my life to be and it was no it was definitely a no that came back i just wanted some sense of control over myself because most of it i had no control over anything in my life i wanted some sense of control because there's nothing actually in my control and i thought one of the things that i can do is try and quit smoking because it was affecting my ba- health pretty badly and i knew that was under my control i can stop to i can stop if i really wanted to i could quit smoking now when i started starting it when i started went, went out and i wanted to quit it took some time it is not an easy thing you're addicted to it it's supposed to be one of the most addictive substances in the world and there was no there was no support structure as such i didn't know whom to talk to i couldn't turn to my friends because most of my friends were smokers uh and i couldn't talk to any of my professors because there's just such a taboo around it and i couldn't talk to talk to my boss or anyone none of my colleagues because none of them were smokers themselves so it was it was a challenging time but i there was a part of me that wanted to fight uh i tried to quit several times but almost every opportunity uh, every time i tried to go out i just failed uh, now finally when i quit in in december of 2012 one of the things that i did was to educate myself on the habit on what what this habit was 
what what happens to your body when you're addicted to nicotine what happens what kind of withdrawal symptoms you have and what to expect when you quit smoking and have what are some of the strategies that you can follow so there's this wonderful website it's called whyquit.com that i followed and i read voraciously on it and they have like a huge library of articles and videos and and stories from other people who actually quit the other thing is i also realized that uh, cigarette smoking or nicotine addiction is like all prevailing it had prevailed practically every inch of my life uh, it was there when i woke up in the morning it was there during lunch it was there during my uh, coffee breaks it was there when i had a a terrible day it was there when i was celebrating uh, it was there 24/7 so if i was going to fight this thing i would have to be probably really strong and not just physically but mentally strong as well so i got myself a bicycle and i started cycling uh, i was in such bad shape back then uh, that i couldn't even cycle till the end of the road i ran out of breath my legs were screaming but again that fighter was there who said don't give up don't give up and i started cycling every single day and in fact cycling became Uh, a habit that replaced my smoking so every time i got an urge to smoke i would just jump on my bicycle and go around but even if it just meant up to the end of the road and coming back it helped me distance myself from that urge that i felt one one thing i'm curious about uh, yeah. along the same lines before we move into cycling is like generally at least based on what i've read the urge to smoke or the urge for any such habit it just sneaks up upon you what did you do in those times if you didn't have a cycle to go to or ex- some way of exercising uh, so there was this thing one thing that i did i is i kept a list of things that i wanted to do or a list actually a list of things on why i want to quit cigarettes and uh, this list was always with me i don't have the list anymore unfortunately but at that point in time this is one of the things that i did do and the the minute i got the urge i would look at the list and that would tell me okay this is why i'm doing this right now and also my reading up research told me that that an urge lasts less than a minute it's it might feel like an eternity for a smoker but the mm-hmm. urge is lasts just a minute and it's un- so it's all about just tiding over that one minute and then it's gone so having a strategy in place was very important it's very important to have all your bases covered um and it's very important to treat it like a life or death situation because it literally is that because there are millions of smokers in this world i don't think and if you ask any of the smoker that smoking was one of their life goals saying that yeah i am going to be a smoker and i want to die of lung cancer that that's stupid right you wouldn't find yeah. it like that i think that just getting that understanding and convincing yourself about how bad a situation you are in is very important before yeah. coming out of it Yes I think it's very important and and I think some kind of self realization is very important and and waking up and understanding that okay man this is this is actually affecting me this is not supposed to it's not supposed to be this way because I would remember that I would go into like I would really panic early in the mornings especially if I didn't have my cigarettes and nothing else mattered it was about just going and getting that fix that I needed early in the morning and it didn't matter uh, if I had to go from shop to shop looking for cigarettes but that's that's what needed to be done and i did that and there was so much energy and time and money that's just 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 wasted and you can do so much more with it right and it's not really doing anything for you it's 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 just so stupid you're just, just it's taking something away from you 
yeah in, yeah that's right you're not getting anything it's taking everything it's taking your dignity it's taking your money uh, it's taking your health and it's just making you poorer and poorer yeah so after that after you took the decision to change your lifestyle and you went cycling and after the first uh, attempt at cycling which ended at the end of the road yeah. uh, you just i think a year later you ended up at the himalayas so how does before we get there how does one go about building a habit be it cycling or any other habit uh, the way i look at it is i, I need to have my goals uh, very clear i need to know why i'm doing this uh, and i chart out a course for myself saying that okay this is what this is what this is why i'm doing this this is why i'm inculcating this habit because this is what i want out of it Uh, it can just be having some kind of mental discipline it can be because of good health or it's just something that you want to learn is 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 motivation for me but for me it's very important that it's very goal oriented i'm a very goal oriented person but it also brings a certain amount of clarity on why are, why am i doing this and then you can move on to okay what's the best way to get this out what's the best way to do this what's the most efficient way to do this and yeah but what what is this goal setting process like because i don't think that day one you thought that you'd end up at the himalayas so no no it like, was never like that what was the process like uh, so i started very small i knew that okay cool this is why i'm doing this and uh, the thing about about something like cycling is uh, it's rewarding in itself you know mm-hmm. uh, you go and you and you get this surge of endorphins that make you feel really good and manipal is actually situated on top of a hill so and you should know i love challenges and so it became a challenge to climb up into manipal i saw my progression you know i once i would climb probably halfway up the hill and i wouldn't be able to do it next uh, next time i try it i'm a little further up probably four or five attempts down the line i actually managed to climb all the way up and that itself is like a reward right and you feel like yeah man i've gone out and i've done something today i've achieved something that was a reward in itself and that's how i started i started very small i gave myself very small goals um there are so many different roads that you can climb back to manipal there are different gradients uh different lengths and so it became all about getting into manipal from these different roads in the beginning and i had a, i had a very cheap bicycle i had a, a hercules uh, a gearless bicycle oh that's the one we all have at diet hills <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so uh because i had no intentions of doing anything beyond it was just about about replacing one habit with another in the beginning for me mm. and that bicycle served its purpose i i completely uh, i i think i did i did full justice out of that bicycle i did i got everything that i needed to get out of it in fact it at at one point i got so i i got so strong that the bicycle started breaking down um mm. and i had to go and learn how to get it fixed so i went i learned i became, i worked as a i interned as a mechanic at a local bicycle shop so i do like a whole day's work and then in the evenings i would go i would intern I learn how to how to service service your hubs probably tune your brakes and that was also very empowering because i suddenly realized hey man i can take care of my bike it doesn't matter where i go mm-hmm. uh, and that's how the whole thing started and i started pushing my boundaries and going further and further away but at this point in time you were still working in the same job yeah i was still working i was still working okay i was at the startup so i quit in december of 2012 and 
I got my first proper bicycle in August of 2013. So there was mm. like six, seven months that I was, I was on my Hercules and doing all these internships and stuff like that. And how did the Himalayan idea come up? When did it strike you? How did it strike you? Okay. So in August of 2013, I went. I got my proper bicycle. It was a Surly long haul trucker. It's called a world tourer because there are so many people that you can see online who have cycled the world around around the world on the on a Surly. Uh, long haul trucker. Uh, lucky for me, there was a guy in Bangalore who was selling it. I went, I picked it up, and my first goal on that bicycle was to try and reach Akumbe, uh, which is 50 kilometers from Manipal. It could, you could say that it's uh, from Manipal. It's it's in the Western Ghats, and the road from Manipal it it goes through the countryside. It's a rolling road in the sense that it climbs, it goes down, up and down, and up and down. You get chased by dogs, the quaint villages. So I went out and I cycled that. And that was six months, or seven, eight months down the line since I'd quit smoking. And cycling that 45 kilometers and then cycling another 10 kilometers uphill through 14 hairpin bends and standing on top of Agumbe. Um, It was like I was born again. It was fantastic because just a few months earlier, I was struggling to even climb a flight of stairs. And suddenly I was able to achieve something like this. Around this time, I was also reading a lot on, on bicycle touring. And I saw that there were like very, very ordinary people, uh, like chefs and uh, doctors and mechanics who were jumping on their bicycles. And I was amazed because they were ordinary people. But when they jumped on the bicycle, they were doing extraordinary things. And I thought if, if, if they can do that, why not me? And the only thing bigger than the Western Ghats were in the Himalayas. And I didn't really have to travel so far because that's that's right here in our country. And that's when the idea of cycling the Himalayas came to me. But it's one thing, thinking about it, it's a completely different ballgame going out and doing something like that. It's a big project. Back then, this was in 2013. You should know that the, the cycling scene was just in its very nascent stage. It still is in some level. Uh, but there are a lot more bicyclists now than they were there than back then. Uh, so I had to figure a lot of things for myself. I had to figure out the kind of gear that I would require. I had to do financial management. I had to I had to figure out uh, logistics, plan out the route. Uh, there were a number of things that I needed to do, and there was no one that was going was helping me. So I had to do a lot of reading, a lot of research. And I think working in a startup gave me the skill set to go out and implement this project, you know, because I've been working in a startup for around seven years. And that's what I treated it as. I just treated it as another project. And I went, I planned it out and I executed it. And it, it was it was it was phenomenal. It was one of it's definitely one of the best things that I've done. And that's why I call it the thriving 30s, because I did this when I was 32. It was it's one of the best things that I've done. Yeah. So my next question is very open-ended because it depends on uh, what you're going to tell me. So I just want to know some stories from your journey to the Himalayas. Some people you met, or some interesting incidents, anything that happened, anything that changed uh, the way you thought about life. So one of the first people that I met, and he continues to be a very inspiring person. So I'm, I'm sure you'd have heard of Kardungla. It's one of the highest motorable roads in the world. It's around 5,500 meters. And I started cycling. By this time, I'd cycled from Srinagar. I'd started in Srinagar and I'd cycled to Leh. And in Leh, I decided 
to go and cycle to Khartungla. And so I started early in the morning uh, and I started cycling up. And I think within an hour of setting out, I'd covered around five or six kilometers. And I met this guy. I couldn't actually believe my eyes. This guy, there was this guy who was pushing a rickshaw up, um, a cycle rickshaw. And, and I had to stop. And I started talking to this guy. And this guy, named, his name was uh, Satyan Das. And he was from West Bengal. And he had uh, cycled rickshawed his, his way all the way to Leh. And he, he said he was going to go up to Kardungla. And I had, a, I had a fancy bicycle. I had, uh, it had gears. It had, I'd put like sleek tires on it so that I could climb up more easily. Uh, I was carrying food. I had, like, I had lights. I had water. And and this guy was doing it on a cycle rickshaw. It was it was incredible. And he he wasn't cycling up. He was pushing his uh, his cycle rickshaw up. And this guy is a cycle rickshaw puller man. You know, mm. he is a daily wage worker. You think about that, and he has he has no no income or nothing like that. But yet he was out there and he was doing this. And he was like, this this journey has been incredible. You could just see the energy, you could feel it. And that, that was very inspiring because I think we are very privileged and yet how many of us actually take the risk to follow things that we really care about or we feel passionate towards. And that guy really inspired me and it inspired me to take more chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he happens to be one of the most inspiring people that I met. There was also another man that I met when I was, uh, this was back uh, when I'd started on my way back to Manipal. I'd, I'd, I'd reached Kathmandu. I met this guy in in Madhya Pradesh, and I'd started cycling from Kathmandu, in, and I met this guy in Madhya Pradesh somewhere in January. And by this time, I'd spent around seven months in, on the road cycling, so I'd, I'd met a number of different interesting characters. And this guy came up to me, and I thought he was just like a regular guy who was just trying to get some money out of me. And this was in a place, a very small village. It's called Ajaykar, and it's got some ruins which are on top of a hill. And he said, why don't you, why don't you come with me and I'll show it to you and stuff like that. I was a little apprehensive at first, but he was very adamant and I, and he would, he wouldn't take no for an answer. And I said, okay, but I need to freshen up and stuff like that. And so he took me to a hotel and I thought, okay, this is just going to be like a, it's it's just like a long con that he was doing. (laughs) I was just going to get conned out of all my money. Uh, but there was, I had very little options. I didn't know what to do. And he took me to this hotel. It was actually an old uh, British bungalow. And mm. he got me a room in. It was a big room. Uh, it was very nice, very airy. And off I went with this guy and he showed me around. And I really liked the vibe of the place. It was very nice. And once we came back, uh, he had like a chai stall. And then I went to the chai stall. He gave me chai. He gave me food uh, for dinner. I, w- I went back to the hotel in the night. I went, I stayed. And I knew that this guy was going to come in the morning and ask me for money and stuff like that that was coming. I knew that I was trying to tell him that, okay, I was going to, you know, I was trying to make up my mind on what I'm going to tell this person when he gives me this exorbitant bill. But next morning, this man comes and again, he takes me to his chai stall and he takes me around. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, cool, man. Now I got to go, you know? And he's like, no, just come back. Just talk to, talk to me for some more time. And then, you know, it's just getting uneasy because I want to leave. But this guy wants me to be there. Uh, and then I tell him, hey, man, so tell me how much it is. Uh, and because I need to go now. And this guy, it's so funny. This guy, he takes out he takes out a really beaten book and he tells me, hey, man, you don't have to pay me anything. Uh, but just write some message for me in this book. 
and I, I start reading it. It's like practically every person who's come there, I think this guy has gone and taken them around and has mm-hmm. done everything absolutely for free. And there are messages from all kinds of people from all over India and all over the world who have written, oh, thank you so much for the chai. Thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> I was really stumped. I'm, it felt like I was, who is this guy and why is he doing this? And so I asked him and he's like, oh, I happen to be like a big Amir Khan fan. And Amir Khan says that, Atiti Devo Baba. And he's like, you're my guest. You're like God. And that's why I've treated you like this. And he's like, I want you to write this so that I can send it to Amir Khan. And then he said, but there's one last, but there's one more thing that I want you to do for me. And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? And he takes me back uh, behind the chai stall. He has his room there and he's like, come, come sit. And he makes me sit down and he puts like a movie for me. And he's like, I want you to watch this movie. And you won't believe it. Uh, he's actually made a remake of Lagan. It's it's the whole, the audio is the original, but the actors are all the local villagers. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was hilarious. But it it was pretty excruciating after some time, after the first 15, 20 minutes. But he actually made me sit and watch. And that, that was the most painful part. But I'll never forget this guy. He's just a humble chaiwala. But for him to go out of the way to make this thing possible for every person who goes to that village, it's incredible. I think uh, this is the most inspiring answer I've ever heard. Incredible, man. The amount of people that you meet, especially when you're on a... That's what I love about bicycle trips is because uh, you meet such interesting characters. You're not like... You're not, you're not like on a... You're exposed to all these kinds of people. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had... I'm exposed to... I've, I've had bad incidences as well you're not in the sheltered bubble that you are in a typical holiday yeah, yeah exactly you're not you're alone you're out in the world you have to interact with people you have to be able you have to be on your uh, on your toes all the time it's very engaging it is it's a fantastic way to go out and travel very very interesting answer but just after this so after this it feels like the himalayas and cycling there and coming back is like a huge high in your life, like one of the peak points, I think even today, but how did you think about what you were going to do next? Like after this entire journey was over? Yeah. So once I came back from the Himalayas, it's, it's very difficult to get back into, into the social fabric. Mm, Exactly. Wanderer for so long. You, you you know, there is, there have been no, uh, no regular demands. Like there have been no demands for you to go to keep a job or engage with society in like a, in a, in a very conventional sense so i needed some space to just 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 get back into that groove and stuff like that and i found uh, because i'd met a number of people in the himalayas i contacted a few people and one of them put me in touch with a farm owner who runs a farm in in the western ghats and i told this man yeah i don't want anything too demanding but i just want some space just to think just to chill and this guy said yeah sure you can come by you can check check it out and you can help me run the farm it was it was an amazing place. It was on the banks of River Sharavati, very secluded. It was I think seven kilometers from the closest village, uh, and you had to take like a track through the jungle uh, to reach this guy's place. But it was stunningly beautiful. There was nothing around. Um, a lot of wildlife. There were there were bisons on the road, and there were there were a number of scorpions wherever, and crates. Uh, which which were a little disconcerting in the beginning because every night when I came back to bed I had to I had to redo it I had to I had to see I had to check my pillows because oftentimes there was always a crate or two or a scorpion lurking around 
but every morning when i woke up i was surrounded by um, hornbills and uh, all these exotic birds it was it was it was a fantastic fantastic experience and one of the jobs that i had there was to take people out corakling whenever there were people people knew about that the locals knew about it not many people outside knew about it and so these locals would come and then i would take them out on corakling rides and that gave me the space to just think about it and i liked that wilderness experience and at the towards the end of it now uh, it was the end of my two months there my the guy who runs the place called me and said hey man i'm going to send these boys uh, over and they they came from a, an underprivileged background and he said just take them out show them a good time and stuff like that and i took them camping and i took them corakling and we cooked our own food and i really liked that experience and i and i think that inspired me to become uh, an educator of sorts and i grew into that role i really liked doing that role and and facilitating this experience so once i came back to manipal i found uh, there was i was reading the newspaper and then there was like a job opening for a professor at mit and i went i gave the interview and yeah i landed a job as professor and it has been really good because i i have the technical experience i worked in a startup firm for around 8 years and i also have cycled extensively around the western ghats and so i'm able to teach not only inside the classroom but i'm also able to facilitate experiences for my students outside the classroom and it's been very rewarding uh, experience for me understood uh, but uh, moving back like you had told me over a call that uh, you had gone to alaska for a wilderness training program as well so yep. so what was uh, when was that and uh, how was that experience like? Oh, so I did this. I did this in two thousand and seventeen. So after and, you had become a professor. Yes, I had. I had worked in MIT for two years by then, mm-hmm. and I went to do an outdoor educator program at uh, National Outdoor Leadership School, Alaska. In fact, I got a I got a scholarship to attend that because by the time the those two years that I was in MIT, I was doing facilitating outdoor experiences for my students. I was taking them out camping. I was doing. uh we were doing a number of cycle rides and stuff like that so i went i spent a month in alaska learning outdoor leadership uh, outdoor education from national outdoor leadership school uh, it was a phenomenal experience it is unlike anything that i've ever done there were i think 10 ten, 10 ten of us from all around the world and educators from all around the world and we had four instructors with us um and one of the biggest challenges about traveling in alaska is the wildlife there's a lot of wildlife and we were traveling through a grizzly bear country so we had to always travel in groups of four it didn't matter where you are if you're in a tent you're still there were, four, there were going to be four people in the tent uh, if you're going to take a shit four people had to go together even if just one of them wanted to go and, and take a shit so there was no privacy at all the four, the, the whole month that we were there. there was absolutely no alone time whatsoever it was also incredibly tough because you had to kayak i don't know 10 12 miles and it was always freezing it was super cold and yeah so i was perpetually hungry i just wanted to eat all the time because it was such so physically demanding uh, but it was incredibly beautiful especially when we were kayaking we were surrounded by all kinds of all kinds of life there's a lot of fish in the water so there were always sea lions and walruses and and there were there were uh, killer whales and blue whales and we saw them at such close proximity oh my god man, it was it was it was so beautiful so i took a lot away from that course and in fact the course that i run right now in manipal for my students 
the outdoor course that I run is is largely based on the structure that I picked up from Noel Alaska. I think one thing that really uh, that I thought about when you were telling me this is that it just felt as if you are all much closer to nature than we are. It also felt like a older way of living. Uh, I think what is right now happening is people are inadvertently moving to bigger cities to work. It's not uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think we start to disconnect ourselves from from nature, and I think that's where the problem is. It's it's a problem because. we don't appreciate what nature does for us uh, we don't appreciate the environment uh, we take it for granted and we pay the price for it at the end of the day we are we are mentally uh, stressed out we're depressed you know we're just like a very fast community we just move from one high to another we do not have that uh, that ability to just deeply relax which i think is very important for growth and for well-being and that's that's what it is right and uh, at the end of the day you still want to be happy but it doesn't mm. feel like we are and i think that's that's got something to do with us being disconnected from nature and not living closely with the environment that like probably our ancestors used to and and that's that's what that's why i'm doing uh, one of the reasons that i do the programs that i'm doing is is so that students can can go out and can can reconnect with nature and can appreciate it uh, for what it really is so that it doesn't matter if they are no longer in manipal but wherever they may be they can seek out these experiences and can and can easily connect with it once again yeah i, I wish someone did those uh, same workshops and wilderness camps for us as well in at iit madras uh, so just one final question i think i've more or less uh, reached the end of the interview So this is something we ask most of our guests, and I'm uh, looking forward to your answer, especially. Right. So, if you had uh, 15 minutes with your younger self, your 18-year-old self, uh, what yeah. would you tell? Uh, I would tell, please get some goals in your life, man. <laughs> I had no goals when I was in college, uh, and I felt like, and that's why I think uh, my four years just went by in such so fast that. that by the end of it i had i really had not achieved anything so i probably go back and tell my 18 year old self to get some goals uh, some tangible goals and some intangible ones as well because they're nice uh, because i think that's where growth happens but to have some really tangible goals yeah to have like a have a plan out yeah so setting goals and making plans and i think following up on it is uh, yeah. extremely important yeah i think i think i think the way i see it and i see a lot of students the ones who are very motivated and the ones who are achieving quite a lot are the ones who have goals and these are not necessarily academic goals mm-hmm. uh, it might be something they they want to learn uh, something they want to achieve um, and something they want to go out and do uh, you know it, it doesn't have to be academic goals you can have other goals as well but i think goals are important and and i see that there are students who don't have any goals and they're just drifting they don't know what is happening they're very lost and and i think they their their experiences once they are in college is is very is not is not very fulfilling i think they they feel very lost when they get out as well so i think having goals is is very important and going out and having a plan and and executing them is just as important following up on them yeah uh, it was very very interesting very enlightening inspiring even time that i had listening to you i am sure it will benefit almost everyone equally and yeah. i i hope people do reach out to you to learn more 
about this experience and try to recreate it to some degree uh, but yes. yeah but thanks a lot thanks a lot for joining me sparing the time uh, for coming on the podcast and i'll make sure that a uh, lot of people try get to know about your journey and get to start thinking deeper about their goals and what they want yes awesome surya thank you so much uh, so you guys can i, I don't know how uh, anyone can reach out to me if they have any personal plans or some some kind of uh, they want some advice on the next trek or trip they're doing and i'm you guys can reach me on instagram i think is that is that, is that yeah sure that works so i'll add your uh, profile links in mail id instagram whatever uh, when i write the episode description ah okay cool cool so that was it from this episode of the other side hope you guys enjoyed it you can find us on instagram at the other side underscore podcast and you're more than welcome to ping us with feedback regarding the episode and regarding any guests you would love to hear from meanwhile stay safe hit that follow button share this episode with your friends and stay tuned for more adios and see you again soon